Okay, everyone, welcome to another episode of Football Talk. These episodes will be where I invite someone on to just simply talk football. It's always good to have healthy discussions, and this is what we aim to do. My name is Garrett, and this is All Things Football. Alrighty, so this episode of Football Talk, I am joined my, with my buddy Andrew. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Hey, good. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing as good as can be. You know, <laughs> just relaxing, sitting around the house. I think that's good. Enjoying your Sunday. Yeah, that's right. It's good to have a day off to just relax. I agree. So Andrew is a University of Alabama fan, and so we have some topics for him today regarding the team as well as some of its players. So, Andrew, how this is just going to work, I'm just going to ask you one of the questions, and then I'll let you um, address it, and then we'll kind of discuss it for a bit, and then we'll just move on to the next one. All right. Sounds good to me. All right. So let's go ahead and dig into this first one about Tua Tagovailoa. So what are your thoughts on Tua? Specifically, should he be the starter for the Dolphins this year or even play, or what do you think is going on with Tua? Um, yeah, so the short answer I have is no. Um, I don't think he should be the starter this year. Um, but I feel that way about most all rookie quarterbacks in the league. Um, specifically right now, I think um, everything we've seen from Tua's medical checkups lately have said he's completely healthy and ready to go. Um, but if I were the GM of the Dolphins or the owner or even the head coach, I would not want to start Tua right now unless I had to. Um, it's one of the reasons is because you have Ryan Fitzpatrick right now who's perfectly capable of winning games. Uh, not the best quarterback in the league, but definitely not at the bottom. And he's also been in the league for several seasons now. So I think Tua actually has a really good position to sit back, learn from him, and prepare himself mentally and physically to take over next year. So right now, if I'm the Dolphins, I wouldn't want to start Tua unless I had to because I think they just have it set up really well for him to take the season off and soak everything in and prepare himself. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so you keep saying unless they had to. So I guess in your mind, what would be a situation where he would have to? Um, I think, say, if you know Fitzmagic got hurt and went down, you know, then they have Tua and Josh Rosen on the roster. Um, and Josh Rosen... We haven't seen him play a lot of football right now. We know he went to the Cardinals a few years back and got traded over, and he's been kind of an under-the-radar guy. And so unless you're in the franchise, you really don't know what he has to offer. So if Fitzpatrick went down, um, it would come down to Tua or Josh Rosen. I think, you know, if you feel like Tua can get the job done and Josh Rosen couldn't, that would be kind of one of those situations where Tua would have to step up and assume that role of QB1. Right, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I just think, like, I agree with you. I just, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you should touch the field at all, um, at all this upcoming season. Basically, just because of his his he's prone to injuries, and so I think the worst mistake that you can make is draft their future franchise quarterback and then put put him into a situation where he'll most likely fail, and then risk getting hurt and risk him not being their future quarterback because yep. uh, I I agree with what you said, sitting behind Ryan's Fitzpatrick. I mean, no one, no one is, is expecting the dolphins to be good this year. No. Like, I mean, honestly, like who expects them to win the division 
expects them to make the playoffs. No one. I mean, no. So, I mean, they don't have any pressure at all to be good. Like, if there was a ton of pressure on them, then I, they would start to uh, obviously right off the bat. But there's no pressure for them to win. So, I just think that you're just putting Tua in a position to fail and end up getting hurt. Yeah, that's how I feel. And, like, right now, if you look at the Dolphins roster, like, you know, we're not expecting them to be overly good, but they don't look like a terrible team either. Like them winning seven or eight games is not out of the question. And so in all reality, if Tua could sit back for a year and the Dolphins still go on to win seven or eight games, you know, have a kind of productive season and then still have, you know, some time to add a piece or two to prepare for the next season. um, I think that would be ideal for Tua. And then, you know, again, he wouldn't be going into like a high-pressure situation even next season. There's no – in Miami right now, there's no immediate need to win a ton of ball games. So I agree. I just don't feel like there's a ton of pressure, so there's no need to throw him into the fire. I, I agree. What makes like worse – so the, 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 Dolphins, the Dolphins' offensive line last year gave up 57 sacks. So could you imagine like putting Tua into that when they don't have the offensive line like fixed and to where it's still crap and Tua's getting hit 57 times? Like uh, he just <laughs> I know it's like in college too like I love Tua but there were the occasions where he tried to make something that wasn't there where he held on the ball a little too long. Um exactly why he got hurt against Mississippi State. And so, you know, it's not that Tua can't move around, but sometimes he moves around too much and tries to hold onto the ball and make something happen. And, you know, once he gets in the league, like, that's that's going to be another learning curve for him. So, like, if he were to still try to do that with the offensive line they have right now, I could definitely see him getting hurt again and being out the rest of the season, you know, and potentially even being, you know, a bigger, more long-term serious issue. And, you know, you just don't want that to happen to him this early in his career. Well, you don't want it to happen at all, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I think, honestly, they should just do, like, the Mahomes, the Mahomes method and just let him sit behind Fitzpatrick, a veteran quarterback. And, yeah, like, he's obviously not the best, but I think he's he's just a good guy, and he understands how the NFL works. He's been in the league with a lot of different teams, so I think he'll be able to just be a great mentor for Tua which what I which I think will lead to even more success for Tua in the future when he finally does become the starter as well as just resting up like just take another year off of football where you're not getting punished and and hit you know every other you know every week when you're playing those games like just take a year off get your body fully rested and get it healed up and prepare yourself you know work out with NFL trainers work out with NFL Doctors, all those people that are a higher level than whatever he had at Bama, and they'll be able, you know, they're they're hardcore professionals, and so I think they'll be able to get him on a plan to get his body to be in tip top shape for whenever he does start in twenty twenty one. Yeah, exactly. There's if you're in his situation, and you know you're in that franchise, there's nothing wrong with taking an extra season off to make sure you're completely healthy and ready to go. That's that's never a bad idea when you're in his shoes. I just say like, as you know, as a, as a football player myself, I mean, obviously not to this caliber, but as an athlete, like I, I hate not playing. And so I understand it's probably going to be frustrating for him to sit an entire season out. But I think that's just something that 
that he's going to have to battle with and ultimately accept. And I think it's going to be on the organization, you know, their head coach, Brian Flores, to just sit him down if they have already and say, listen, you are the future of this organization. And because you're our future, you're not seeing the field at all this season. Just get used to it. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. You're not touching the field. (laughs) No, I I agree. And it's like, I remember when he got (laughs) drafted, they were talking about how several years back, you know, Miami passed on Drew Brees for kind of similar reasons, you know. They had concerns about injuries and this, that, and the other. And then now they look back on it like, man, we shouldn't have passed up on Drew Brees. Yep. And so I feel like them taking Tua um, is them, A, you know, making sure they don't miss that opportunity again. But I feel like, B, they're also going to be looking to play it safe with those concerns. So I definitely yep. think, you know, Brian Flores and everyone in that, you know, the office – I think they're all going to be on that page of, look, he's going to be our guy in the long run. Let's play it safe right now, you know, so that way we don't lose out on having him anymore. For sure. I, I, I'm just already waiting for, like, after the first game where they just get blown out by whatever team and the fans are calling for Tua to start. And I just want to, like, slap him over the head and be like, guys, just, like, I understand. I understand exactly what it's like to be a fan of a team that freaking sucks. Like, I, I know it. I've lived it my entire life, and finally now my team is good. <laughs> and there's just, like, you have to be patient. Like, eventually, eventually, you'll like eventually you'll get there. And so the Dolphins fans are just going to have to be patient because I'm already waiting for week one, all the cries to get two out there to start for them. And it's just – I just think, honestly, in the long run, like when you think step back and think long run instead of short term, the best thing to do is just to not play them and take your losses and then get – more draft picks in the next round and the next draft and just build up your team around them. Exactly. I agree completely. 100%. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I want to protect your, your team, your, your players, man. We can't have them come into the league and getting hurt and making that's a right. bad rep for Bama. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, we got plenty of them in the league right now. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. I do think though that too is going to have a very bright future. And I think that, I think that the Dolphins here within about two years, I think that they're going to be, they're going to be pretty good. Oh yeah. I think you give it a couple seasons and the Dolphins will be really competitive. I hope so. I hope so. Well, let's move on to another team um, with one of your former players as well. So Jalen Hurts is drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles in the second round. And so let's just kind of talk about him and how do you think Hertz will fit in with the Eagles offense this year, as well as do you think he's there to eventually replace Carson Wentz? What do you kind of, what's your take on the whole Hertz Wentz Eagles? All right. Yeah. So in my completely unbiased opinion, um, being a Bama fan, I do think Jalen Hurts in the second round um, was definitely a steal. If you watched, um, you know, his combine, Uh, everything he had going on with these pro scouts around him. Compared to other quarterbacks, he did really, really well and exceeded a lot of people's expectations. So that one season in Oklahoma with Coach Lincoln Riley there definitely did him a lot of good. And going to the Eagles, I think actually he's in a really good position to be successful. Um, And the reason I believe that. It's solely because when you look at and it comes down to Carson Wentz, he is more than a capable quarterback, but the concerns are he just can't stay healthy. 
And Jalen Hurts has proven to be a really, really durable quarterback through four years of college football, had no major injuries, no major setbacks, you know, didn't miss any games because of it. And, you know, he runs all the time. He's a pretty mobile guy. So the fact that he's able to do that and prove how durable he is, I think gives the Eagles a good safety net, you know, in case something were to happen to Wentz. You know, Jalen Hurts is reliable. You can throw him in there and not really worry about him getting too banged up. So I think he'll be really successful, and I wouldn't be shocked at the end of the season if something were to happen to Wentz, if sometime, you know, around week 12 or 13, we see Jalen Hurts coming in as the starter. Wow, okay. So your so your take is basically that he's mainly there to be the backup because Wentz will eventually be hurt. And so they wanted to draft him because they needed a quarterback to be behind Wentz for when that eventually would happen, right? Yeah, that's how I feel. Um, and, you know, the contract that Carson Wentz has right now says kind of he's the guy the franchise wants to go with. But, you know, things happen in the NFL. Don't be shocked if Jalen Hurts does really well and you see eventually in the future he plays his way into the kind of that role of the guy the franchise wants to go with. But right now I think he is there um, kind of if slash when something happens to Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy. Yeah, because I was when honestly when they drafted Hertz in second round like that that early, I was honestly surprised mainly because they had just signed Wentz at like thirty one million dollar contract, like paying one person that much money regardless of the position, but especially at the quarterback position to me, it's like you're all in on this guy. Like he's your guy, he's going to be the one leading your team four to five years. And they go on a, in the second round. Like if it would have been third round or later, I wouldn't have bat an eye about anything. But because yeah. it was that early in the second round, they took Hurts. I was I was pretty surprised. But I do think I mean, this isn't a shot at Carson Wentz like to be negative. Like you're right. Like he does get hurt. He has not been able to finish an entire NFL season without being hurt. So honestly, it is inevitable that he will at least miss one game. So I think it is important for them to have a backup quarterback. The more the more I've thought about it, the more I kind of like the pick because because of that reason. Um, I don't think though that he's, he's going to be a threat at all to take over the starting job um, over wins. I mean, you saw what happened when Nick Foles came in and completely lit the league up. I mean, he won the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl MVP and he still wasn't their guy. I mean, they just still didn't replace Carson Wentz over him. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, it's kind of one of those roles. Uh, Carson Wentz, it's his to lose, you know, Jalen Hurts will have to play into it and Carson Wentz would have to play out of it. Another thing, though, um, I kind of liked about the pick is it does give them the option of having kind of a more athletic guy at quarterback. We've seen several teams in the league move to having quarterbacks who are more mobile and, you know, that can get around a little better with their legs. So I also wouldn't be surprised if we see the Eagles, who have drawn up, you know, trick plays and special formations before. Don't be surprised if you see them come up with some kind of package to get Jalen Hurts in there. Um, it could be a receiver, running back, quarterback. I think they also like him just because he's such a dynamic athlete that it gives them a little more options of what to do with the football um, if they're able to find a way to get him onto the field. Right, for sure. And Doug Peterson is, is a really great offensive mind. He's great at drawing up plays. And so I think they're going to be able to find a variety of different ways to use him. I mean, obviously they drafted him for a reason. I don't think they thought of those reasons after the fact. I think that going into the draft, they 
they knew that they wanted him. And so they already have plays drawn up specifically for Hertz. Um, to me, I think just at the beginning, he's going to be more like a gadget, like Taysom Hill is for the Saints. Um, but I think that he's going to get, he may get reps in at, at quarterback as well. Um, I was talking to my cousin and he said he read an article where like, um, it's just a rumor right now, but like just talking about how they are drawing up like plays to where like, you know how in college that they have like two quarterbacks and they'll sub them in and out and run different like packages with them. Yeah. That, yeah, they're, yeah. that they're talking about doing that with, with, with Hertz and wins as well. And if, so if they do that, if it works like great, I'm personally not a fan of that kind of play calling. Um, mostly because especially when I watch it in college, like as soon as the starting quarterback's off the field and it's the other quarterback in, like I know exactly what the play is going to be because it's usually the one, it's usually the guy that can run the ball and take hits and not get hurt. And so if Jalen Hurts is in that quarterback, like I'm immediately going to assume it's some sort of like gadget, like read option, like something like that kind of play. And I think that really limits the, the offensive surprise about what they're going to call as a play, especially as more and more film gets out it's going to be even harder for them and easier for the defense to key in on that. Oh, yeah, I agree. Well, that's why you know, a lot of times in college, you know, we see coaches come down to the wire on picking one QB to go with, uh, and they end up just picking picking one reluctantly. And it's because, you know, you can have two guys who are both capable of playing, but a two-quarterback system just does not work. We don't see anyone ever using a two quarterback system winning championships. Yep, true. <laughs> like, um, it it doesn't really work that way. So, I think, and if you're the Eagles, I think it's important to have a backup quarterback that you believe can win you games. And so, obviously, they believe that Hurts is that guy, and he's. I mean, he's proven to be that guy. I mean, it's not like, I mean, his college record is really, really good. <laughs> um, he was really great in college both for Bama and for um, Oklahoma. And so I, I think that, I mean, obviously they're comfortable with him being their guy. And so I think just kind of time will tell kind of what happens with them there. I agree. I agree. I think the ceiling there for him is really high right now. And I think he's actually in a really good position to showcase a lot of his skills and what he can do. I think that's, I think that's a good way to put it. He has a very high ceiling. Um, I think that I think that Wentz will be able to work with him too. I I honestly I'm like even though he does get hurt, I think Wentz is a fantastic quarterback. Like he's he's oh, been able like he he has been able to elevate his team around him to the ultimate. Like that last season, like last season they were just decimated with injuries. Like literally everybody who's anybody on that team was hurt, and they had to win like the last four games, including the the division rival Cowboys in order to make the playoffs. And they were able to do it with like practice squad players. Yeah. I think they definitely, despite all that, they did, you know, well with what they have. And you look at everyone they have coming back this year. If the team can stay healthy, um, they definitely are in a position to compete to not only get in the playoffs, but to make a run in the playoffs. If, if everyone can just stay healthy, they I think they have most all the pieces. They yeah, need. I mean, like, have you heard of, like, obviously before before this season, like, have you heard of players like Boston Scott, Josh Perkins, Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, or Robert Davis before? 
No, not really. Those are just names and past. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, exactly. And and those were the receivers that Carson Wentz was working with, and <laughs> the in the last game. And so he had to, they had to beat the Giants to make it to the playoffs to win the division in the last game. And so those were his receivers. Uh, <laughs> and so five players um, were cut a combined eight times by four teams. So these these players were just bouncing around, being on the practice squad, and they when they got called up, they were able to put in work and and perform. And so you know, good good for them. Like that's not to take away from them. But I just think like as a as a starting quarterback, you're used to you know, elite talent, guys that you've been with for a long time, and then just like that, you're having to throw in a game of like a, a a win or go home situation, and you're throwing to practice squad guys. Yeah, I just that's one of those situations you don't want to be in. But, you know, like you said, those guys put in the work and they were ready. And I think part of that also reflects back on the coaching staff. You know, they made sure those guys were getting ready on on and off the field. You know, and I think the coaching staff, you know, if they can work with those type of players and make sure they're ready in those winner go home situations, I think they should be able to do just fine with all the starters they'll have going into the season as well making sure everyone's prepared and making sure everyone's focused despite everything that's been going on during the off season. Yeah. So I'm looking for them to be pretty competitive within that division, within that division, as long as they're able to stay healthy, because that's just hard for any team to lose that many players and and be competitive, especially against other good teams. Uh, And so if they're able to stay healthy, um, I think that they're going to be able to be pretty good this year. I agree completely. Cool. All right. Now enough for the NFL. Let's move on to what everyone loves more, obviously college. Uh, That's right. So for your Alabama Crimson Tide, what are your expectations for them this upcoming season? A lot of, a lot of new changes. Uh, What are your expectations for them? Oh, the expectation hasn't changed as, it's been the same one we've had for the past 13 years now since Nick Saban set foot on campus. It's national championships. We're, we're going to be number one at the end of the season. Okay. So you're going to be at number one. You're, you don't worry about Clemson, Ohio State, any of other teams. You're not worried. Uh, I never worry about those type of teams. Those are the type of teams I like to play. They really get you, you know, figure out where you're at. They make you competitive and fun. Um, you know, but I see a lot of these other teams and I see everything happening on the off season and just stuff I, you know, read and see. And I feel like Coach Saban um, should have our guys, I'd say, at least mentally prepared just as well, if not better than any other team in the nation. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference this season is which team has been able to stay mentally prepared through the whole off season and stay focused on what they want to achieve. And I'd say we've done that probably better than anyone else. If not, you know, we're right there at the top. Right. And you got a pretty good recruiting class coming in as well. Oh, yeah. we Coach Saban's the best recruiter of all time. He never fails to bring in the top talent that he wants. We definitely have a good class coming in. We have the number one quarterback in the nation coming in. Um, he's not going to be the day one starter, but, you know, some people expect to see him play his way into that role. As well, we are returning so much experience and production. If you look at last year with um, 
how we ended the season when we played against Auburn, the end of the regular season, you know, you look at, I think we only lost on both sides of the ball. We only lost eight or nine of our 22 starters. So we are returning a lot of starters, a lot of experience, a lot of guys that missed most, if not all of last season who are hurt are going to be back healthy. And I think all that leadership and experience coming back is just going to play, you know, in favor of us. And I think we're going to have just as much experience, if not more than any other team we could face during the entire season. Yeah. And I'm just kind of looking over Alabama's schedule right now. And I don't really see a game where they really lose. I mean, the hardest team it looks like would be LSU, maybe. But even LSU, they lost a ton of like what nine to twelve players in the draft this year. Yeah, and those were like lost. their best players too. So it wasn't just like random players. And so I'm not for sure about LSU this yeah. season either. Yeah, LSU will be a good team. Be competitive like always. Uh, don't sleep on them. But you look at they've lost coordinators. They've lost you know, a large chunk of their offensive and defensive production. Uh, They had another guy just the other day, actually, who was one of their backup linebackers, who was a five-star from a few recruiting classes ago. And he was expected to be the starter this year, and he just entered the transfer portal, you know. So that's not like a big thing. They're not losing that production, but the guy they expected to be starting that middle linebacker spot, you know, come time to practice has entered the transfer portal. So, like, They've just lost a lot of guys, and it's no fault of their own. I think it'll be kind of like us last year. We had a lot of guys get hurt and a lot of guys leave, and so you have to start a lot of young guys who don't have experience. And you know, in football and just with any sport, you can't replace experience. And so I feel like that's just what's going to hurt LSU this year, and they're not going to be quite the same team as they were last year, but you can count on them being competitive. And you can count on when we go down there to Baton Rouge to play them, you can count on them putting up a fight and trying to keep them close. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they're always competitive. I just, like, this past season, LSU was just, like, ungodly. Like, they just, they just, it was incredible. It was one of the best college seasons ever, and that's obviously hard to repeat. You know, something that BAM has been able to do for so long is put together those types of seasons. And so, I mean, that's what we're accustomed to seeing. And so I think that they're just, I mean, part of the reason why Alabama is so good is because usually with college football, there's not a lot of good teams to actually play in the regular season. And that's not just with Bama. That's with a lot of the top other schools as well. And so they're able to really just run up the score and not have any problem at all. But with Bama, they are able to win those tough games as well and make it to the, make it to the national championships as they've done before. And like what you said about Nick Saban and, and recruiting, like, I think I mean it has to be super easy for him whenever he just shows them his rings and trophies. He's like, "Hey, if you come play for me, you're going to get one of these." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's supposedly. I've heard people talk about recruits talk about, um, especially the in-state guys from Alabama, who you know, a lot of times it's hard to decide whether or not you want to go to Alabama or Auburn. I've heard recruits who signed with Bama or got recruited by Bama say, "Well, you know, the thing that won me over is Coach Saban sat me down and said, look." Here's a table with my rings, and they saw his table littered with national championship rings, SEC championship rings, and they pointed and said, this is Auburn's table of the last, you know, 10 years or so, and Auburn doesn't have any. So I've heard that Coach Saban's not afraid of breaking out the rings and being like, look, 
you come to Bama, you're definitely going to get one. <laughs> I mean, I would, if I was him, I would do the exact same thing. Like, if you got it, flaunt it. Like, he, it's not like – I mean, he worked hard for those too. And so he he earned those rings just like those players had the chance to earn them as well. And so I don't knock him at all um, for doing that. Um, so I guess looking at, at the season with Bama, what do you think – I don't know if you thought about it, but kind of like the, the college football playoffs, like what do you think kind of like the top four teams are looking like for next year? Yeah, well, I think we got a pretty solid um, – if you ask about anyone, they're going to say Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. I think those are the three teams with the biggest expectations, you know. And so I feel like the big question is who is going to be coming in at number four? Um, and I'm not saying those teams will be the one through three. Obviously, anything can happen. But, you know, just right now when we haven't seen anything, I feel like those are the three teams with the highest expectations. Sure. If you're looking for a number four team, it would be really interesting. We've seen the SEC sneak in two teams before, so don't be you know afraid of that. I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Big 12 try to sneak a team in there and probably, most likely, Oklahoma. Um, Lincoln Riley has been able to work magic with quarterbacks there, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Oklahoma again. One team um, I really do think could make a run if they play it right, though, I think if Oregon could ever just have a complete season and run the table in the Pac-12, I think Oregon could get in. They seem to be doing really well. They seem to have a lot of their pieces. Yes, they lost Justin Herbert, who was the starter there for like three straight years. But I think Oregon defensively this year, they look to be pretty stout. And if they could run the Pac-12, I think Oregon very could sit there very comfortably saying for that number four spot, if not higher. And I think they could turn a lot of heads this year and find a way into the playoff. And if they were to get in the playoff, you know, I think they could give some teams a run for their money. Yeah, I would agree with you on the on the one through three teams. I think just obviously you have to count Alabama in every single year, um, just automatically, just because of their their history. Um, and then as well as like Ohio State and Clemson were, you know, in their last year, and so they didn't really lose anybody. So you should expect them to to be back there as well. Number four seed is, is always interesting. I feel like OU's gotten it like two years in a row, right? The fourth, the fourth yeah, spot. They've been able to slide in the past. Yeah. Two. And then they've sucked. Um, and so, <laughs> cause last year it was down between what them and Utah, right? Yeah. It came down to them and Utah, but Utah didn't just quite have enough on their strength of schedule. to make Yeah. It. But you look at like, Oklahoma didn't do too hot last year in there. The year before, they played Bama and didn't do too hot in that game either. And so, you know, with the the playoff committee, you kind of wonder, is that going to hinder their chances of getting back in? You know, because the committee is going to look at it now like they're 0-2 and neither time they looked, you know, super deserving of that four spot. Like... Will the committee have to keep that in mind this year? And would that hurt Oklahoma's chances of getting that four spot, you know, once championship weekend rolls around and we're trying to figure out who's getting in? Would another team be able to jump them simply because Oklahoma's gotten there but hasn't quite lived up to the hype? Yeah, I I agree. I think for the most part, the fourth spot is just always kind of a wild card. And it usually comes down to that championship weekend, whoever, you know, wins their conference championship and things like that and then go a variety of different ways and usually i think there's always like towards the end like i didn't think 
I mean, I didn't expect Utah to be in, in the talks for making the playoffs at all last year. And so I think every year there's at least one random team that comes in and it kind of is in those talks. And so I think any, any number of teams can make it in that fourth playoff spot. Oh, I agree. I think um, definitely any team in the Pac-12, if the Pac-12 could ever just run the table, have a team, you know, go undefeated in the conference, they'd automatically be in. Another team, though, the SEC, you know, is always a threat to sneak in two teams, but I would never put it out of the possibility that the Big Ten gets in two teams as well. I think, you know, Penn State is just as competitive as anyone else. The past few years, they've been, you know, close as well. They just barely miss out, you know, by maybe losing one game they that was close. So I wouldn't be surprised either if you were to see Ohio State ranked at number one being undefeated and Penn State slipping in the door at number four if they can run the tables, you know, and only be a one-loss team to an undefeated Ohio State. Yeah, it's well, – college football is crazy, man. There's a lot of a lot of things that can happen. And so I think I think that's, that's something to tell you. That's why I also like there's only four playoff spots as well is because it really makes – a lot more interesting the more exclusive it is it's a lot more i know you're i know you're not in favor of expanding it is that right yeah i'm i'm not big in favor of expanding it i wasn't a big fan of the playoff much to begin with and it's been because i side with coach saban on the point that like for a lot of big name schools it's made bowl games kind of meaningless they have the mentality of like playoff or bust and so like now you see a lot of bowl games that aren't very competitive or like one team's just half-heartedly playing. And so I feel like the, you know, I used to look forward to bowl games a lot more than I do now. And it's just because the playoff came along. And so a lot of teams don't care as much about bowl games, but where we're at with the four team playoff, I'm okay with it. I like it. I think it works well. Of course, there's some controversy some years over like who gets in like the one year Alabama snuck in at number four. But, of course, it doesn't matter what you do. If you expand the playoff, there's still going to be controversy over who gets in, you know, at number eight or number seven or however big you want to expand it. There's always going to be controversy. Yeah, for sure. But I think we're – I think it's going to be a very fun college football season, and and I'm really excited for it. Now, specifically, um, leading up to to next year, just the 2021 NFL draft, I wanted to get kind of your opinion on – the top quarterback prospects in your opinion, kind of what those, the top quarterback prospects of, of the, of the teams are for this year. Yeah. So I'm just thinking right off the top of my head. Um, if Mac Jones at Alabama starts the whole, whole year and has a phenomenal season, he would be eligible to leave. I don't think um, it's really a big possibility right now but he does have the weapons around him to have a big season like that. Some other quarterbacks that come to mind right now, we have KJ Costello who transferred from Stanford. He was a starter there until he got hurt. He transferred to Mississippi state to play under coach Mike Leach. He could be a fun name to watch. We know Mike Leach at Washington state coached several quarterbacks who set several passing records who just threw phenomenally and just ran up the stat sheet. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see K.J. Costello's name being 
thrown around out there because I'm sure Mike Leach is going to take that to Mississippi State to, you know, have him throw the ball around 30, 40 times a game. As well, you know, Trevor Lawrence is another big name. He's going to be eligible to leave for the draft. Of course, unless, you know, something horrendous happens, he will be a lock to be in the first round. And, you know, you can expect that, you know, if I were a betting man, I'd go to Vegas and put money that Trevor Lawrence goes in the first round. As well, you have Justin Fields at Ohio State. I think really, you know, the Heisman will probably come down to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Mm -hmm. Fields. Uh, I think Justin Fields will also have a phenomenal season and he'd be eligible to go in the draft. I think he'd probably also get a first round grade. You look at Jamie Newman transferred from Wake Forest to Georgia. There's a lot of hype around that. You know, time at Wake Forest was pretty impressive. Wake Forest isn't one of the biggest names in college football, but you look at what they did last year. He got them out to winning uh, six or seven games right off the bat and being ranked. I think Jamie Newman, if he has a good season at Georgia, you could definitely see him uh, leaving for the draft and being, you know, one of those first round guys, late first round, early second round. And then just to kind of wrap up the list with two more that stick out to me, there's Tanner Morgan at Minnesota. We've seen, we've seen what they did last season. You know, Minnesota was even in the conversation to try to slip into the four star on the four spot in the playoff. So I think, you know, if Tanner Morgan can lead Minnesota to another one loss season and have the same stats he did last year, he could be an interesting look for the draft as well. Kellen Mond at Texas A&M has quietly been one of the most consistent quarterbacks in the SEC over the past two seasons. He started really athletic, really gifted player, really natural leader as well. I think Kellen Mond could have a phenomenal season at Texas A&M, and he could be one of those guys you see drafted in one of the mid-rounds, but make a name for himself and find his way onto an NFL roster. So a lot of (laughs) names, but those are just kind of the top ones. No, for sure, a lot of names. And and those are cool. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, obviously, you know, the big two are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and everybody has their eyes on them. I I imagine they'll go, you know, one and two, respectively, um, to whatever quarterback needy teams are down there at the at the top of the draft. Um, and I noticed you didn't um, mention the name Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Did that just slip your mind, or have you have you heard a lot about him or seen a lot of him? Oh yeah, I've seen some of Trey Lance. It just didn't cross my mind as much just being out of North Dakota State. The film I have seen on the kid and the stats I've seen, he's just as gifted as any of them. And him being at North Dakota State, you might as well expect another big season out of him and expect to see him on someone's draft board. Uh, I think the question isn't going to be if he will be drafted. I think the question is just going to be when. And if he has a phenomenal season like he has the past, you know, little bit of time he's been there i think you know it's not out of the question to see him being a first or second round quarterback. yeah i think it's just i think that just goes like how like how important it is to go to a big school a big name school because i had never even heard of trey lance until i was watching um it was like after the draft and i was listening to mel kuyper give his like early predictions for you know next year's draft and he mentioned trey lance and that was the first i've ever heard of him and it's because uh, I mean, it's because he goes to North Dakota State. I mean, realistically, it's because oh, yeah. 
just it's not a big school. He's not that televised, you know, no playoffs. Like, and so it's just harder yeah. for a name like that to get out there for the whole world to see. Obviously, if you're in the football world, then you're going to know your stuff and you're going to be able to to know kind of which players you're looking at. But I just think as, as a general public, it's harder to to notice those good players whenever they don't play for popular teams. Oh, yeah, of course. And, like, one big thing about that is, like, I had mentioned Mac Jones. If he has a phenomenal year at Alabama, starts the whole season, you could see him leave for the draft. I don't think it's very likely, but it could happen. But you look at that Mac Jones, I see, I saw some odds a while back that were released. They gave him, like, the fifth or sixth best odds to win the Heisman, and he only started four games last year. The four games he started, he did really well. But you look at that, like, this guy who plays Alabama hasn't ever been, you know, the full-time starter who is presumed to be the star this year can get fifth or sixth best Heisman odds um, over guys who have been playing college football and starting games a lot longer than he has. So, like, there is kind of that bias by the media in some way. I don't know if it's really biased, but it's just hard to get noticed unless you're at one of these big-name Power 5 schools. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just – I don't... I wouldn't say it's biased necessarily. I just think a lot of it goes to like viewership. Like the people that make the Heisman are are on TV, primetime TV. You know the schools they go to. You know them, and you rare you rarely get a Heisman candidate that's from some weird school that you've never heard of. Uh, you know they're always from those Power Five schools, and so I just think that they use that as well as for their their judgment. and And I think I I think that they would look at a Power Five school candidate over another lesser-known school candidate, even if they have similar stats. Of course, and it's like you said, a lot of it just comes down to viewership at that point, just what teams are going to be on tape more, you know, which are going to be on national television under the spotlight. Yeah, so it's tough, but a Heisman isn't everything. We've seen a lot of players that have won the Heisman that have gone on to the next level and completely snuffed it. So um, the Heisman looks great sitting there in your trophy case, but if you can't back that up in the NFL, then what's the point, right? That's that's right. It, it doesn't matter, you know, what you win in college. It doesn't matter if you get drafted or what round you get drafted. All matters is once you get to the league, what do you do of your opportunity there? Yep, Exactly. Exactly. Well, Andrew, I appreciate you so much for joining me today. That was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, it was great. Thanks for of having course, me. Of course, we'll have to do this again sometime. For sure. You just awesome. let me know when. Sounds good. Well, that wraps up this episode of Football Talk, everyone. We'll see you next time on All Things Football.